You should be the host here. I'm really loving it, Jeff. We're both monster people, diehard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to episode 12 of the Red 78 podcast, the rugby channel's home of everything monster rugby with me, Alan Quinlan, and of course, Neve Briggs. We planned on this episode to be largely looking back and reviewing the Leinster game, but of course, COVID had its way as well. And as a, as a ruining the second half for our podcast this week, the game was called off. Obviously, um, we put ourselves in a tricky position last week, previewing the game, and then uh, obviously it went. So it's disappointing. Fingers crossed that uh, we can get a game this week between Connacht and Munster. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon, so fingers crossed it, nothing changes and we get teams announced in the next couple of days and the game goes ahead. Um, don't forget to get in touch with your thoughts on all things Munster. You can tweet us at Rugby Channel or search for the Rugby Channel on YouTube and leave a comment. And of course, to subscribe to the podcast, just search for the Red 78 and you'll get your podcast straight to your phone every week. So... Uh, my co-host, of course, Neve Briggs, uh, she's here. How was Christmas for you, Neve? Good, quiet, Quinny, quiet. Santa came, everybody's happy. So, uh, yeah, can't complain. Did you have a nice and time? And Tottenham are on a good run. We're on a good run. Weren't so great yesterday now against uh, Southampton, unfortunately. Ten men after 38 minutes and we couldn't find a winner. But, uh, no, still unbeaten in, in Conte's uh, Premier League uh, spell. So, we'll take that. But a tough night for Liverpool, I see. Leicester yeah, are, are a very good team, to be fair. They didn't play well last night, in fairness. But anyway, it looks like City are going to run away with it. But anyway, that's that's for the highly paid uh, <laughs> prima donnas across the water. Um, let's uh, focus on our rugby players here who uh, train differently, work hard and get less paid, obviously way less paid than what they do in England. But... Um, Someone who's been to the forefront of Irish rugby and Munster rugby now for 10, 12 years. Someone I played with towards the last couple of years of my my contract uh, before I, I retired was Conor Murray. Um, after the podcast last week, it was announced that he'd signed a new two-year contract. Um, probably has come under a bit of scrutiny in the last few years and has you know had a couple of injuries and Probably when you get to that level, I think, of of excellence that he's achieved and, you know, recognition right across the world of being, being a world-class player for a number of years. Um, and then maybe that stagnated a little bit and we haven't seen the... We've seen glimpses of the, the brilliance of Conor Murray and his prime, but I'm sure he'd argue with me and say, I'm talking rubbish, that there's still loads left in him and he signed a new two-year contract and... I suppose it's um, it's it's really good news for Munster in a sense that you know that experience and that that nous and that um, I suppose all that what he's achieved over the years he can he can keep bringing young flesh through and and Craig Casey is someone who's chomping at his heels a little bit trying to get uh, get get it, get into that Munster side but um, what did you make of a two year contract Irish contract? Uh, Andy Farrell believes in him and uh, he's going to be around for another couple of years, which is great. Yeah, look, I think it's a really good bit of bit of business, to be fair, from the RFU and Munster. I think um, I think the Conor Murray that burst onto the scene full of youthful exuberance, like like a young kind of a Craig Casey in terms of the pace that he moved the ball, um, you know, is not the same Conor Murray that we see now, but I don't think that's necessarily... 
a gripe for criticism for him. I just think that, that the way the game has evolved and the way that he's asked to play makes it very different. I think Conor Murray we see playing for Munster is different from the Conor Murray that we play, see playing for Ireland. Um, and, you know, people will jump up and down and speak about the box kicking, but effectively, if you know, if you're asked to go out and play a certain way, it's it's very different. And a team are expecting you to play a certain way. It's, it's very difficult to change that. I think his defensive work is unbelievable. He's probably the best defensive line. Um, and, and it's only when you go and watch him live do you realise how much he cleans up around. I think his passing is really good. You'd love to see him do a little bit more. But the majority of the time, his box kicking is on the money. He's probably one of the best box kickers in the world. Do you think he's suffered a little bit with with the maybe the type of game that's, that's under even under Rassi Erasmus and, and Johan Van Graan, that he's the one that probably comes in for the most um, criticism because of of um, a lot of kicking and a lot of kicking was in their game plans and their, their structures. And that that's just a reality. He probably gets the most criticism at times. I've watched Connor over the last couple of years and at times you think, and people ask me this question, is it because... He's told to kick it or he's decided to kick it himself. I, and I, I think most of the time it's part of the structure and part of the game plan. When Conor Murray came on the scene first and I was, I was still playing with Munster 2009, 10, 11, those couple of years, I just remember him at training and going, this guy is sensational. Um, we, we played touch rugby in the warm up and, you know, his skills, his pace, his athleticism, um, and we've seen brilliance from Conor Murray. And it's understandable. Anybody that goes into their 30s, there's going to be a little bit of difference. They have to adapt a little bit the way they train, the way they play. And uh, But class is permanent. I think he's, he's an unbelievable athlete. He's achieved so much. I would just love to see, and again, Conor might disagree with this, and people may disagree with it and feel free to, to challenge me. I would just love to see him express himself and be a running kind of scrum half and get the ball in his hands a little bit more as regards having a few snipes and a few breaks and off open, open play. Um, I know your primary job is pass, get the ball away from the breakdown and all that, but I think he has paid a little bit of a, a price for, for structural setups. Um, and, you know, he, he has received a fair bit of criticism, but there's been times when he's been just world class. You think it does wins against the All Blacks, um, performances, uh, winning Grand Slams with Ireland, all that going British and Irish Lions tours. Um, he's been right at the top, and I think I just love to see the last few years for him to to probably be not as structured. That's something that maybe coaches would challenge and say um, you can't do that. But just he looks a little bit like he just needs to enjoy himself a little bit more now and, and really go for it. Because let's be honest, he's had brilliant success with Ireland, but hasn't had that success with Munster. Yeah, look, I think a big thing for him as well, signing on is that he, you know, a new coaching ticket's obviously coming in now. would be interesting to see how he evolves under that. Um, and I 100% believe that it's the way that Munster play, rightly or wrongly. I, th- I think that's the reason why... Um, he's coming for that kind of criticism, and you're right. Teams kind of lump on him, um, fairly or unfairly, um, but it, it's really difficult because. But Johnny, Johnny thought, Sexton but, has got it as well. Do you know what I mean? Johnny Sexton. I know, has but got I thought when he came on against, guys, 
both those guys are at such a level and they've achieved so much that there's obviously more scrutiny when the big players and their team doesn't play well. So that just happens in all sports. And I just think it's, it's, it's a pity because I just hope in these next two years, no matter what happens, that he plays and kind of goes out in his own terms if this is his last contract. Because I think it's a, it's, he's a brilliant leader and he's a brilliant player for, for any team he's involved in. I know, Quinny, like, but if you look at it in twofold, right? So this November, obviously, Ireland's style of play had evolved to be a huge amount. There were a lot of running rugby. There was a lot. Murray was coming off the bench and moving the ball. He was running with the ball. So it's in his armory. It's just that that's not how Munster are playing. So therefore, we don't see the best of that. And I think you think back to Thomas Park, I think it was two, maybe three years ago now because we lost a year with COVID. Um, 72 minutes on the clock, Craig Casey comes on off the bench and they're in Leinster territory and he box kicks. Yeah. It's, it is it it is actually just how a structural pattern play that Munster go with. And if if they have, you know, no strike play or if they've gone a number of phases, then they look to go to the air to try to win it back that way or force, or force the opposition to mistakes. That's how they... That's their philosophy and how they play. So, I do think that I think that's a re- I think it's a really good bit of, bit of business for for Munster for Ireland. And I hope that as the new coaching ticket comes in, and we hopefully see a little bit more of that freedom and that evolution to be able to play a bit like that Wasps game. He was excellent in that Wasps game when they were moving the ball and moving the ball at the point of contact. You know that we'll get to see that kind of Murray again. Yeah, that's what and I was going to ask you, and we might have a quick chat at the end. What's your kind of wish list for 2022 for for the men's and women's teams? And um, we'll we'll I'll ask you that again in the end. And I bet you one of the things you're going to say, and lots of fans would say, is to see more attacking rugby. Um, like I say, sometimes I just feel some of some of them are, you know, Connor is in, kind of programmed a little bit. He is enough experience and credibility to kind of take take hold of 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 a game himself and uh, maybe we'll see a little bit of difference uh, point of difference with with a new coach that comes in and I know we're not going to get bogged down in game plans we have seen some evolution and Stephen Larkham has he was kind of the great white hope when he came in a couple of years ago I don't think we've seen enough and uh, let's be honest and I don't think the fan the fans say that too so we haven't seen enough he spoke in the press yesterday about um, the decision to leave and how it, it is a tricky situation if your head coach, assistant coach leaving. But, and let's be honest here Munster are not favourites to win the European <coughs> Cup or the, the, the URC, the United Rugby Championship. Do we, we need them to be in the mix in both, though, I think, for it to be seen and to play some good rugby in the next few months? So, look, hopefully that can happen. Um, Craig Casey, yeah, he's not going to be jumping around thinking Conor Murray's going to be around for another two years now and uh, I'm going to have to wait. I think he'll he'll keep chomping and chomping at the bit and um, I'm sure he'll get chances and maybe Conor Murray might become a different player off the bench starting some games um, and have more competition because uh, there hasn't been a real competitive nine putting him under massive pressure in Munster for a long time now. Just speaking on contracts, it's that time of year again. Speculation, and unfortunately, we have to speculate sometimes. It's it's good that we can react to news because that's what we want. We don't want to be breaking news because 
we want to react to the news that comes out and give our opinions on it and get the opinions of the fans. But there's a little bit of uncertainty about Damien Dialende and RG Snyman. The contracts are up at the end of the season. Will they leave? Will they stay? Um, well documented about RG Snyman, his injuries and the unfortunate um, two cruciates that he's had. And it's just such a shame that we've never, we haven't got to see a consistent run from him because I think he's a, he's a game changer. I think Damien Dialende in the last 18 months has, has been brilliant. He's been consistently good for Munster. Um, at times he's been, they've been under pressure, particularly when it comes to the knockout stage. And, you know, it's difficult for a centre just to grab hold of the game and, and, and win it on his own. But I think he's performed very, very well for Munster and has been a brilliant signing. It looks like, from what I'm hearing, that he's going to depart at the end of the season. But the good news, and, and again, it's speculation, It'd be, it would be great news, but I'm hearing that RG Snyman is very, very much open to extending his contract and trying to repay the faith that Munster put in him. And if that's the case, well, that's a great sign of his character. And I would love if he did that. I'm sure all the Munster fans would love if he did that. Um, and it's something that may happen now. I think it was looking a bit gloomy for a while. And maybe it is, who knows, that the two of them are going to depart. But the, there's rumours now that I'm hearing that RG Snyman may stay, which would be wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It? I think... <clears throat> The overriding feeling after that second injury was one that he, you know, felt really bad. Um, not guilty, but upset that he couldn't repay the. Because we were there. I was in the stands the night that um he came back from the the injury at the start of the season. Um, and to hear the roar, anytime you know, well coming onto the pitch and anytime he got near the ball of the crowds. Like it must be brilliant for him to be able to experience something like that, and I just think he knows how much he's welcomed and valued, um, and how much the, the, you know, even though they haven't seen a huge amount, but how much the supporters absolutely love him. So it'd be brilliant. Look, that would be a brilliant, brilliant piece of business if that's the case. I think, um, he's just an absolutely incredible athlete, like the most phenomenal, biggest man I've ever seen. Um, covers a ridiculous amount of ground in very quick time. Physical. So it would be brilliant. And look, they've got a Munster Alls vaults have got to be they'd be smart too, you know, two cruciates one after the other. They've got to make sure that they get the best out of him too, in terms of if he does sign on that he actually get to play. I think that that's um but I from what I'm hearing, um all signs in terms of his rehab are going very well. So um wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be such a brilliant story? You know, I know that sport doesn't offer us up it's not always happy places and it can be real cruel at times. Um, and his period with Munster has been really cruel, to be fair. But wouldn't it be a brilliant ending if he got to get on the pitch for a season for Munster? I just think it'd be super. Yeah, there is good players in the second row position. Owen O'Connor, um, Thomas Aharon, Fineen, Witcherly. Um, you know, there is there is quality players. You've got John Klein, Tyg Byrne. Um, so is it a position that you know, we really, really, really need, I think he he was brought in and deal in there was to take Munster to the next level, to take him past that semi-final position um, to get him in the mix for, for uh, you know, to try and compete and win a European Cup. Um, but look, hopefully he gets back and I think it'd be great if he does stay on and and, and play on for, for um, 
you know, as you say, people would love to see him being involved in in Monster for a consistent period of time. Ben Healy was speaking yesterday as well that um, his contract, he's he's close to signing. Some of these contracts, Nave, and I'll be honest with you, and this is for listeners as well, they're already signed. <laughs> they're done. They're just not announced, I think. Um, and the reason being is, I think, you know, they, there's small details that need to get finalised and they're agreed and stuff like that between agents. Maybe they're not signed, but um, you always want to get these contracts done pre-Christmas. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more monster players that have extended after Christmas. But um, getting on to the rugby um, match that we hope we have on Saturday, um, Connacht will be kind of chomping at the bit. I think they'll really believe. And I, my feeling here on this one is it's it's this is a, this is a big task for Munster. Um, they went up there last year. Were probably fortunate in the end to win it. I thought throughout the game they probably for probably seventy minutes they looked like they were they were you know physical. They were abrasive. They controlled the tempo of the game, and then and they were in a really good position. But then you had that crazy period. We're monster down to 13 men and, and Connacht have a scrum and nearly win the game. I think that's a big regret. And I'm I'm sure Andy Friend and the Connacht players will speak about that. More recent times down in Thoman Park, um, they lost by two points again. Munster scored late on to win that game. So these games have become very, very tight, not just in Thoman Park, but in, in uh, or not just in Galway, but in Thoman Park as well. In the last 12 meetings, I was just looking back, I could go back farther. Uh, Munster won 10 Connacht 2 so should we just assume that Munster will get the job done here or how difficult is this game going to be for them going to to, to the sports ground on Saturday yeah look I think it's going to be very difficult I think that um, Connacht are playing some brilliant rugby at the moment and I really like what Andy Friend is doing up there. I think he's doing a really good job with the resources that he has. I um, thought they were incredibly unlucky over in Leicester. They played so, so well for maybe 50 minutes. I think that front row for Leicester coming off the bench um, really was the turning of the game. So from that aspect, um, I think it's going to be tough for Munster. I think a couple of things for Munster is going to be huge. It's going to be team selection and... I'm sure when they sat down and planned out this period, you know, they might have looked at certain games that international players had to have a rest and um, senior players and could they introduce more younger lads. And I wonder now, given the fact that they have had so little games over the last, you know, probably month or two, you know, do you change that or do you stick to your guns? And um, so it'll be interesting to see that team selection. And I just do think that um, up there, a very difficult place to go you know as well as I do um, um, so it'll be a big task for them but I I, I think Munster need to win um, I think they need to win to show their evolution in terms of where they're going their ability to eke out games um, and hopefully you know we'll get a safe performance too How did it be Connacht? Because you mentioned um, you mentioned the Leicester what Leicester did in that second half a couple of weeks ago in Europe where they they had that scrum dominance um, and probably that that kind of changed the game, that physical presence. Munster's front row, they're, they're not going to be able to do the same thing, are they? And if they don't, then how, how do they win the game? I think, um, how do they deal with, you know, Connacht's been really, really up for this game and, and really believing that they can beat Munster 
like I said, looking back to that game last season and looking back to the, the more recent one in Thomond Park, I think there's a there's a different type of body language now. Even going back to my time, I and I mean this respectfully, we had probably better squad depths. We had probably far more internationals. And when we played Connacht, we felt that if we kind of rolled up the sleeves and dealt with the kind of physical, emotional energy that Connacht would bring, that we would be, you know, if we were up for it basically ourselves and not just expecting it, that, you know, we the quality that we had and the bit of depth would, would win out. That's different nowadays because this isn't about emotion. They have quality as well. So how do Munster beat Connacht? Is it, you know, kicking the ball, mauling, using their forwards, or do they have to score tries here? Obviously, it's weather dependence. Um, and should they really go for this game? Because I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think where do they beat them? Who who starts at ten? Um, how do you control that game? So if they're not physical, and um, if if the physical thing, if Connacht don't roll over with Monsters' physicality, how do they beat them? Is it Demian Dialende? Is it you know Keith Earls? Is it is it is is it variety in their game? Yeah, that's like a really good question. I think <clears throat> I think Munster should still have um, pack dominance in terms of. Um, I know they're expecting Dennis Buckley to be back, which is a big plus for them. But I also think that Munster's, I think Munster's tie five should should be in a position to be able to. To probably be on top of 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 um Connacht, I think they have their own injury worries as well in there. Um, so from that perspective, you, you'd like to see them being able to, I suppose, match them or or understand that if we can put them under pressure in these spaces, then you know we'll have room elsewhere. I also think um the back three of, of Connacht's defence is a little bit suspect at times I think it's so especially if you look to get the edges um, but it, to get the edges is the difficult part because you're looking at Bundy Aki and Sammy Ireland and their defensive Conor Oliver they're having unbelievable season defensively so their ability to get off the line their line speed not only their line speed but their ability to be able to read the play to be able to shut it down is really really good so you've got to look at having the understanding to how, how do you get to that edge. It's not just simple as saying, okay, just get, we'll pass the ball to the edge. I think you've got to be able to show a bit of variety. So whether that's a, you know, a flat kick pass, it's whether you put the ball in behind them to make them turn, to be able to put pressure on them that way. Um, or in and around that tight where the likes of, you know, Dave Kukoyne and Niall Scannell, um, you know, John Klein, that you can put them under pressure in and around the tight of that, that rock space. I just think that if you're going to play in and around the middle of the park, you're going to be asking for a lot of trouble because I think, like as I said, Conor Oliver, Bundy, Jared Butler, uh, Sammy Arnold, these players are playing incredibly well at the moment and their ability to shut down space and disrupt the ball, it caused Leicester a huge amount of problems last week. So Munster's got to be, have to be exceptionally good at their breakdown work but they've also got to be incredibly aware that if they move the ball, that they've got to be able to look after it too. So it offers up a huge amount of conundrums. I think that this Munster Connacht rivalry is starting to grow, you know, gain a huge amount of traction and a huge amount of momentum over the last couple of seasons. Even though you're saying there earlier on in the last 12 times, Munster have won 10, the games have been incredibly, incredibly tight. And I think that Munster, yeah. were, looking, Munster were looking to come outside in the last two. So Connacht will definitely be relishing this. 
and and they're trying to create something under Andy Friend and win win against big teams. And look, they even though Munster maybe um, the history and the culture of the place is huge, European champions. Um, it's a big scalp for them. So if they beat Munster here, it's it's huge, and they're on that kind of journey under Andy Andy Friend, which everyone enjoys watching them play. I think two areas for me. And again, it's difficult because we don't have teams, but two areas for me that Munster really struggled in Thomond Park in the last time was line speed from Connacht. Now, at times, they gave away some penalties and they pushed the, the kind of offside line, which you run the risk of giving away some penalties if you do that. But if it works and you get off that line really quickly, you can stop the opposition from playing. And that worked pretty well for them in Thomond Park. They got pinged a few times um, for jumping the gun early. Um, so I think they're going to put Munster under a, a lot of pressure there, um, particularly with whether it's Healy or Crowley at 10. They're going to try and get at them and unsettle them. And as you say, Bundyaki, Sammy Arnold, um, Jack Carty is, is, is a doubt. So um, he'd be a loss to them. Um, I think Conor Fitzgerald will come in there, um, who's a very good player as well. But so the line speed is an issue that Munster struggled with the last time and the breakdown. I think Conor Oliver, Jared Butler, um, I think Keane Prendergast has been an absolutely brilliant find for, for Connacht. He's a wonderful athlete. I think he's really stepping up to the plate. Looks like he has a bit of an attitude. His work rate is through the roof. I really like him as a player. And I think there's there's real opportunities for him going forward to, to maybe play for Ireland as well. I think he has that ability. So Paul Boyle as well, they're physical, abrasive players. And if the Munster players are listening, which we're not sure if they ever do, I think they you know, they, they'll know this as well. This isn't something that I'm just revealing the secret. I think they look back at that game. They struggle with Connacht's line speed and the abrasiveness at the breakdown. Connacht were just hammering into Munster at every every opportunity, and I think Munster just were a little bit off the pace with their aggression and physicality. So, make no bones about it. I think this is going to be a really physical, sparky game where there's going to be a bit of pulling and handcuffs and handbag hand, handbags, I should say, not handcuffs, <laughs> but a little bit of it's going to be it's there's going to be a bit of bite to it i think because both sides are really desperate after the break and not playing last week um to try and, and get to a be win fair, here to be fair i think if Connacht looked at that cast game you know cast offered Munster a huge amount of problems in terms of that breakdown as well and that line i think i think i think found I, that difficult and Neve, i think the cast game is bad news for Connacht because Munster will be fuming the players the coaches yeah. the way they played and they'll know the feeling outside of the group so um i think they're, they're they yeah. they need a performance it's it's really intriguing everybody needs a performance yeah. in most matches but i think there's going to be a bit of bite to this and sometimes we talk about these interpros and you said it there's a bit of a there's a bit of niggle kind of developing this Connacht Munster game the last few years. And maybe because it's Sammy Arnold, Connor Oliver, guys who didn't play there, Alex Wooden, they, they didn't make it per se uh, to be regular starters for Munster. So they have a bit of an edge. So there will be an edge to the game. So it's certainly one to look forward to. Um, and re- we really, really, really hope we have a game on Saturday. Um, it's hard to preview it again when we don't have teams, but I think Munster will will probably look at saying um, the idea was to mix and match through these interpros for all the teams, but I think they've got to go as strong as they can here with a view to maybe uh, um, 
they'll have a home game against Ulster to maybe change it up a little bit there. And then you've got casts and wasps. Fingers crossed those games happen. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. Four big games coming up now for Munster. Um, I think it'd be um, it's important that you know obviously Christmas is a nice time for lots of people. We miss the sport, but it's also a tough time for people. And uh, there's three people I just want to mention who passed away. Jerry Moore, former Munster president. I was great friends with Jerry um, when I started out with Clan William, with Shannon, with Munster. I'd always meet him in Tolman Park. He was great crack. Would always get us a few tickets when we were on the Munster team, a few extra tickets, get people uh, passes into the games. Um, and Jerry passed away recently. Um, he was a great rugby man, um, not just a Munster man, but a rugby man. And um, he'd be sorely missed. Also, Jim Sherwin, um, iconic commentator for RTE for, for so long. And loved his rugby and obviously was commentated on lots of other sports. I played with his son, Ian Sherwin and Shannon. Um, his brother, his other son, John, works for the RFU. Um, so that that's a tough time. He passed away uh, just before Christmas as well. Um, so our thoughts with, with both families, the Moore and Sherwin family, two iconic rugby men. Um, one other person, Pat O'Brien, Brian O'Brien's brother. Brian was a Shannon manager. Um, Munster manager and Ireland manager in my time there and his brother Pat who was a great club man with Shannon as well he passed away as well so sad times for people but three great rugby men there that I just wanted to mention because all three of those guys had big involvements in my rugby career um, so I just wanted to mention them and honour them and, uh, and say uh, remember them for what they did for rugby and for loads of different people so um, that's it for this week uh, hopefully we'll be we get a match to talk about and we'll be back again next week to re- review what happens between Connacht and Munster and look ahead to the home fixture at Ulster on the following Saturday. So thanks, Neve. And uh, like last week was happy Christmas. This week is happy new year to everybody. Absolutely. Happy new year, Quinny. The Munster Rugby Podcast. Red 78 with Adam Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows Munster Rugby better.